0: morning Church how are you guys doing today okay that's good I am doing amazing I'm super excited that I get to share today come on and I'm especially excited because today I get to speak about hope and what hope means to us and how that has a profound impact on this Christmas season but before I get into that, I want to give you guys a definition of hope. See, hope is an optimistic state of mind that is based on an expectation of a positive outcome with respect to events and circumstance in one's life or the world at large. This is hope. But before we get into that, I kind of want to tell you guys a little story. Because I, I, I really love telling stories. So if any of you guys know me, I, I'm a married man. No, I wasn't always married, you know. <laughs> but, you know, once upon a time, I was dating my wife. And we were dating for a long time. And we were, you know, things were hitting off. And I felt confident. And and I I, I remember one day I knew. I was like, yeah, I'm going to marry her. This is a positive thing. I had sure assurance in that hope. But there was another thing that I didn't really have sure hope in. Who who guys here are married? Are there any guys that are married? Yeah, there's a couple of you. How scared were you to ask the dad permission? (laughs) (laughs) I was utterly terrified. (laughs) And it's not because I thought he didn't like me. It was just like this sense of hopelessness can creep into those situations. When you're like... Oh, he could say no. What happens then? <laughs> what do I do then? Because I was hundred percent certain that she was going to say yes to me. I was a hundred percent certain that when I asked her that, you know, she would cry, and she'd say yes, and we'd hug and celebrate. But for some reason, this hopelessness sunk in that he was going to say no. That he was like, you're not good enough for my daughter. (laughs) Or something like that. It was completely ludicrous and completely ridiculous. But it still sank in. And that's what happens all the time with hope. Is that we let hopelessness take over. But that is incredibly ridiculous. Because we have access to the living hope. See, this is what me and my wife were talking about the other day. See, we're talking about what sets Christians apart from the rest of the world. And we came to the conclusion that it was hope. Complete hope. Hope that the world will get better. Hope that things will be better off. Hope for love, for joy, for peace. Hope for Everything, hope for Jesus. See, it's what sets us apart. But it didn't always. See, when we read the Old Testament, we see this, we see that they found hope differently than we have it. See, we have hope because hope came. Hope came through a child. Hope came through the baby Jesus. But when we read the Old Testament, we get a different image. When we read the prophecies that they told, we see that they didn't really have hope, but had to patiently wait for hope to be fulfilled. I want to read you guys a passage that essentially is hope coming. In Isaiah 9, it says this, No more gloom for those who are in distress, those who walked in darkness have seen a radiant light shining upon them. They once lived in shadow of death, but now a glorious light has dawned. Lord, you have multiplied the nation, giving them overwhelming joy. They are ecstatic in your presence and rejoice like those who bring in a great harvest. And those who divided the spoils of victory— For you have broken the chains that have bound your people and lifted off the heavy burden off their shoulders. The rod of their oppressors used against them, you have shattered all their bondage, just as you did when the Meridian's armies were defeated. Every boot of marching troops and every uniform caked in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born to us. A son has been given to us. The responsibility of complete dominion will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be the Wonderful One, the Extraordinary Strategist, the Mighty God, the Father of Eternity, the Prince of Peace. Great and vast is his dominion, and he will bring immeasurable peace and prosperity. He will rule on David's throne over David's kingdom to establish and uphold it. By promoting justice and righteousness, from this this time forward and forevermore, the marvelous passion that the Lord Yahweh, Commander of Angels' armies, has for his has for his people will ensure that it is finished. This is an incredible prophecy, and actually, in the NLT, it even says the hope for the Messiah. See, and it's interesting as I was reading Isaiah this passage. I felt God telling me, go back one chapter. And I said, it It was very interesting because the chapter before this, there was a different prophecy that God laid upon his people. And it was a prophecy of destruction. God was saying, be prepared. Your enemies are gonna overtake you. You can prepare all you want. You can gather your war tables. You can strategize, but you will lose. It's interesting. Because when this passage was happening, when they got told this prophecy of Jesus coming, it was in a moment of hopelessness. It was in a moment when they were like, we're about to be defeated. We're about to be overcome. Our enemies are surrounding us, and we know we're going to lose. And then God comes in and says, No more gloom for those who are in distress. He's saying that you, all of you who are struggling, all of you that are in the midst of something terrible, all of you that are going through something dark, all of you who are experiencing hopelessness, you no longer need to. For I'm sending a child who's going to change everything. In Proverbs twenty-three, eighteen, it says, your future is bright and filled with a living hope that will never fade away. This is the promise of God. This is hope. Because that's the amazing thing, guys, is that you know, we have hope because hope came through a child. We have hope because hope came into the world. And that's the amazing thing. And it says that hope will never fade See, unlike the world around us, we have access to hope. We have access to an unlimited and a living hope. Like nobody else. This is what God did when he sent Jesus. He sent hope into the world in a time of hopelessness. And I don't know where you guys are today. I don't know if you feel hopeless. I don't know what your situation is. But I'm telling you that you have hope. I'm telling you that hope has come. See, and this is the interesting thing. You guys do believe we have access to the full living hope, right? 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 So we have access to it But why, then, do we still continue to live a life of hopelessness? Why do we continue to hope in things that will fail us? This is the interesting thing. You know, just like my situation with my father-in-law, I had no reason for hopelessness to seep in, but it did anyway. So why do we let that happen? Why do we hope in things that aren't Jesus? But before I answer that question, I kind of want to tell you guys another story. Because again, I love stories. So, uh, I didn't always live in Edmonton. Once upon a time, I lived on a farm. And this acreage. And so, one thing that you should know, if you have kids that live in a farm, we do stupid things. A lot of stupid things. (laughs) We need to entertain ourselves, and my parents were not strict, but limiting on how much TV time we got. They were like, you get an hour, and that's it. After that hour is up, we're like, okay, I guess we got to do something stupid now. (laughs) And for some reason, in the wintertime, it got a lot worse. (laughs) And See, we had this um, Quonset building, which is this big, round building. And in the wintertime, the guy that would come and plow our yard would always pile the snow beside it. You know, one day, me and my, my cousins came over and we're like, you know, that kind of looks like a slide. So we get a ladder, and we climb on top of the Quonset. And there's like this big slope, and we're like, oh, this is going to be so much fun. We're going to jump, and it's going to be great. <laughs> I think you can tell this is going to go badly, already. <laughs> so, my one sister, who was like the ballsy one of the us, she was like the brave one. Like we were, like I was, I was scared to fight, so I was already kind of chickening out. But my sister's like, "I got this," and she runs full blast, jumps with her butt out, lands on the snow, and you know. I guess we didn't think that like they just plowed that morning so the snow wasn't hard and she kind of just fell (laughs) We watched her sink into the snow. and We were like, oh, okay (laughs) So that do you guys think that we then continued to jump? No (laughs) See we Once we saw that we couldn't hope in the snow to catch us. We're like, yeah, hell no (laughs) So, you know, we got a ladder. Eventually, we went and helped my sister out of the snow. <laughs> you know, she was fine. She didn't hurt, wasn't hurt at all. But, you know, we went and found something else stupid to do. But that's the thing, right? Is that once we know we can't hope in something, we don't continue hoping in it. But for some reason, we do do that. I know I've done that constantly in my life, and I ask myself, why are you doing this? Why are you acting this way? Why are you doing the thing that is actually harming you? See, I'm going to read another prophecy about Jesus in Isaiah again, 42. It says this, take look at my servant. I'm backing him to the hilt. He's the one I chose, and I could not be more pleased with him. I've bathed him with my spirit, my life. He will set everything right among the nations. He won't call attention to those with loudy speeches or gaudy parades. He won't brush aside the bruised and the hurt. He won't disregard the small and insignificant. But he will steadily and firmly set things right. He won't tire and quit. He won't be stopped until he's finished his work to set things right on earth. You see, far-flung ocean islands wait expectedly for his teachings. So take note. The early predictions of my judgment have already been fulfilled. But I am announcing a new salvation work before it bursts onto the scene. See, again, we see here that the Old Testament were hoping for hope to come. But there's something I want you to take note in here. As who it was claiming Jesus to be. He often, in our lives, we put hopes, we put our hope in things and people who brush off the bruised and the hurt, who disregard the small and insignificant, who tired and quit before the work is finished, but yet we still put hope in them? And see, I've done this. I've put hope in things that I shouldn't have. And I look at this past passage and I'm like, why am I doing that? when this passage is telling me to put my hope in the one who won't brush aside the bruised and the hurt, who won't disregard the small and insignificant, who won't tire and quit, but who will finish the work. It's telling me to put my hope in the only thing that I can. See, in Proverbs twenty-three, twelve, it says, a hope deferred, Makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. You see, guys, hope has a name. It's the name of the sermon, if you didn't tell. <laughs> hope has a name. And its name is Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> its name is Jesus but we are constantly putting hopes in things that aren't Jesus. And then we wonder why our hopes are crushed. See, I'm telling you, by this passage, you can only experience a tree of life if we put our hope in him. In Psalms 39, six through seven, it says this. We live our lives like those living in shadows. All our activities and energy spent for things that pass away. We gather, we hoard, we cling to our things, only to leave them all behind for who knows who. And now, God, I'm left with one conclusion. My only hope is to hope in you alone. This is hope. We can only hope in Jesus, we can only hope in God, because when we put our hopes in other things, they simply fade away. You know, at the beginning of my message, I gave a definition of hope. And my definition was this, hope is an optimistic state of mind that is based on an expectation of positive outcomes with respect to events and circumstances in one's life or the world at large. This is a decent definition of hope. It's not perfect, though. It's actually quite flawed. And I'll tell you why. See, this definition of hope is flawed because it leaves room for hopelessness. It leaves room for hopelessness to seep in because we can still doubt in this. Yeah, I can be 80% sure that I'm going to have a better day tomorrow, but there's still that 20% chance of hopelessness seeping into my life and ruining my day. Because when we let hopelessness seep in, that's when we stop hoping. See, a better definition of hope is this. Hope is the confident expectations of God's promise in our lives. See, the reason why this definition is better is because I involve God, because I include Jesus, because I include the one that is the living hope. See, in 2 Corinthians 1, 20 through 22 it says this, whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus, and in him, this is what we preach and pray, the great Amen. God's yes and our yes together, gloriously evident. God affirms us, making us a sure thing in Christ, putting his yes within us. By his Spirit, we are stamped. He has stamped us with his eternal pledge, a sure beginning of what he has destined to complete. We've preached on this passage a lot. We've talked about this passage a lot. It is... God's promises is yes and amen. And his promises are great. I've been reading his promises all day, all morning. We've been talking about it. You know, God promises not to set aside the bruised in He doesn't disregard the small He's going to complete his work. See, God's promises... And knowing that they are yes and amen is why I have hope in him. It's why I don't put hope in the things of the world, but in Jesus. Because I know what happens when I put my hope in things of the world. And that's hopelessness. When I hope in things of the world, that's when I wanted to give up. That's when I wanted to just lay there and let the world take me. But when I said, "No, I'm going to change my perspective. I'm going to hope in him is when I realize for a better tomorrow. See, Luke: 132 through333 says this: "He will be supreme, and he'll be known as the Son of the highest, and the Lord God will enthrone him as king." on on the ancestor David's throne. He will reign as king of Israel forever, and his reign will have no limit. This is the amazing part, guys, is that we cannot escape from the hope of Jesus. See, the hope of Jesus is eternal. It is everlasting. It will reach the very corners of the earth. We cannot escape it. It's around us. It's in us. See, a child came. A child came and changed everything, guys. Now, I don't expect to know your circumstances. I don't know your situations. I don't know if you're feeling hopelessness. Expecting this season, I'm assuming that a few of you do. But God is working, God is doing something incredible today. You know, I knew that going in, I knew that preparing this message that God was preparing for hope to enter this building, for hope to bring a new life into you. It's so interesting, often in passage, In Scripture, when it's talking about hope, it rarely just says hope. It usually says living hope. And that is the amazing thing. I'm going to invite the band up now as we get ready to close. But first, I'm going to read off a couple more passages of Scripture. See, in 1 Peter 3.15, it says this amazing thing but give reverent honor in your hearts to the anointed one and treat him as the holy master of your lives. And then if anyone asks about the living hope within you, always be ready to explain your faith. In Proverbs twenty-three, eighteen, it says, your future is bright and filled with a living hope that will never fade away. See, again, I don't understand your circumstance. I don't know what you're going through. But understand that a child had come, has come. We aren't waiting for him to come anymore. We know that he has already come. And the best thing about this is that it says, this hope is living within you. See, but when we take the pledge, when we take the step of faith, and invite that child into our lives, hope changes. See, I'm no longer asking, we're no longer asking us to hope outwardly and waiting patiently for hope to come. We now can do something different. We can now hope inwardly because hope has come and hope is living in you because Jesus is living in you. And I don't know, maybe you're saying, "Well, I don't have hope in me. Well, there's good news today then, because hope is offered freely. Hope is offered openly. Church, let's stand. I just wanna pray a blessing over you. I wanna pray that you understand that you no longer have to hope in the world that you no longer have to hope in things that will disappoint. You no longer have to hope in things that will just bring hopelessness. But you can hope in the one that is hope. To hope in the living hope of Jesus. Dear God, I pray a blessing over this church. I pray a blessing over these people. I pray that you will reach their lives and reach their hearts. I pray that you will fill them with the living hope of Jesus and that they will know that hope has a name the name of Jesus a child that was born in a manger a child that was born in a time of hopelessness that brought hope to millions and will continue to feel that there are people today that are going through something that are feeling depressed are feeling anxious that are worried about money worried about the world worried about things I pray that you will give them peace today and knowing that they can hope in you that tomorrow will be a better day than today and the next day will be a better day than the day before because Jesus has come Jesus is here and Jesus is praying his blessing over his people I pray this in your heavenly name, in the name of the child that was born on Christmas day. I pray, amen. Let's praise Jesus today.